0: Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. And we're live. Oh man, now, I am so excited because today's guest is just freaking awesome awesome i've wanted to chat with him for a long time it's like i'm so excited to actually be doing it he is a marketing leader and he's the kind of leader that has experience in almost every other department in the company the product side the sales side the customer marketing focused roles um, which is actually a perfect background because now he's literally at the forefront of marketing technology and you're gonna you're gonna understand why i say that in just a second so really, I can't. I can't wait to learn about it. He's also the father of three. He's a history buff. We are gonna geek out on history later. The VP of Marketing at Salesforce, Nate Skinner. How are you, sir?
1: I'm great, Casey. Thanks for having me. This is this is fun. Looking forward yeah. to doing
0: it. Yeah, I, you know, it's to be able to chat, and I know you're you're in it. And you're seeing things. It's you know, if you could go in one of those Back to the Future cars in the future, you're you're as close as I can get to talking to someone who's been in that car, isn't it? Now, so. Um, let me, let me go ahead and, you know, this is our marketing leadership series. So getting leaders um, who, who set strategy and see strategy, see where pieces are moving, the tech side, uh, process, alignment, those kind of things. So really sitting down and, and chatting with them. But the bonus is that, you know, your work at Pardot, your work at Salesforce, you're in it, and we're all super fans anyway. So we kind of get to combine all these things into this mega theme. So to start out, I just want to, I want to pass you this. This is Thor's hammer. And uh, so go ahead and take that and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconceptions you're hearing out there that you just want to set the record straight.
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting subject, Casey, smashing a myth in marketing. Here's one that is going to probably be controversial for some folks. And I'm going to attempt to smash the myth of account-based marketing.
0: All right, dangerous territory, right? We got all these all these apps out there, you know, and, and you're gonna you're so what's what's the deal, ABM?
1: Yeah. yeah, so here's the myth. The myth, the myth is that it's everything to everyone, right? I mean, at the end of the right. day, if you look at the history, and you mentioned history buff, I'm a history fan. I love how history has implications in our modern lives. And the history of account-based marketing goes back many years. It's not new. Um, but right. when it started, what it what the the idea about what it has become is cotton kind of muddled. And it, it's largely muddled because of, like, literally, we've done it to ourselves as vendors. And so everybody's account-based marketing. And it's just right. not that complicated. I think for, for marketers that I work with and the customers I meet with, they approach this topic as this really complex kind of technology puzzle they have to put together, combined with some sort of process improvement, aligning with sales. And at the end of the day, like, let's just set the record straight on what, are, what is account-based marketing. I love this. Yeah. What is it? Yeah. It's just marketing to accounts, right? (laughs) Account-based marketing starts with accounts. If you, if you know the accounts you want to market to, the difference between it and broad based marketing is instead of kind of, you know, spray and pray uh, to attract the top of the funnel, as many human eyeballs as you can. You look at the accounts that matter to you, the ones that are your strategic accounts or the most important accounts for your company, and you target your marketing efforts at those accounts. So, it's really that simple. There are human beings at those accounts. Casey Cheshire from Cheshire Impact. If I was, a, if you were my account, I'd want you and all of your employees to be part of my account marketing strategy to Cheshire. Right. Uh, you know, because what are accounts made up of? Human beings that are employees at those customer at those accounts. Right. So it's just not as complicated as we've turned it into. Um, Uh, You know, uh, our friends over at Terminus and Sangram have talked about uh, ABM is dead or ABM is the new B2B. Yeah. ABM, I think it's actually ABM is B2B marketing. and I actually think that's probably as close as I've seen an accurate description. It is just a more productive and efficient way to market without trying to get everybody into the funnel, going after specific human beings at specific accounts. And it starts with accounts and CRM is at the middle of the strategy. It's that simple.
0: I love that. Just taking it back to the core. You're like, cause I've heard that too, where where someone's like, you know, well, really good copy is ABM and 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 ABM is also basically every single thing of doing your job right
1: is is ABM. And you're like, wait, if it's everything, it really isn't anything. That's exactly right. If it's everything, it can't be anything. And and also, unfortunately, the disservice of the kind of confusion we've created is that uh, it now has become harder and harder to convince executives within a company that it's a, the right strategy to take. Because if, you, if you're a, a mid-sized company, let's say, and you're a marketing leader, and you go into your C-level meeting talking about this new strategy you wanna try called account-based marketing, uh, and they say, okay, what is it? Well, then you start, you know, well, it's web personalization, and it's this, oh, yeah. and it's that, and it's, all, and it's like, hold on. How is that different than what we've got, and how is it gonna produce different results? And actually, if you had approached that conversation saying, we already know who our accounts are. We have them in our CRM system. We have them in Salesforce. All we're going to do is lay our our marketing strategy and our processes to attract those accounts on top of that account structure, focus on those individuals, those leads, those opportunities. And that's where we're going to put our marketing muscle. That is a lot easier of a pill to swallow for someone who has no idea what you're talking about.
0: Right. And trying to sell it upward, trying to, trying to, you know, and, and the higher up you go, the, the less, uh, patience there is for BS. It's like, really, you exactly. want to, you want to send flowers and all this stuff? No, no, no. What, what is it? And, and just to say that overlay of our, our key targets, we're going to go specifically after them. Instead of trying to spray and pray, we're going to get narrowed in here. Yeah. That getting much more traction than the, uh, the former.
1: Yeah, and you know, like let's, let's acknowledge, I think it's worth, it's worth doing as, as a courtesy and a professional courtesy to, to those, you know, for the middle of the bell curve, right, the 80-20 rule, you know, yeah. for most marketers, they're early and they're kind of in the middle. And, and in, in this context of account-based marketing, they're just starting their journey or they're starting to figure out what it means for them. Right. And, and for most of them, it's just as simple as what are your, who are your accounts and who are the people at those accounts that are in your CRM that you can market to. But then of course you have the later stage, more, more mature, you know, I think about a maturity curve, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and I like, I love this metaphor of college when you okay. took, you know, economics, you know, everybody had to take accounting and economics in the first two years, right, regardless of your focus. And when you went to econ one Oh one, it was pretty basic, right? Pretty easy, pretty yep. simple stuff. Then you get to two Oh one. It's like, Oh, you got some new concepts and <laughs> some new things and you get to like three Oh one and beyond and you're going to become an economist. Um, <laughs> And where most people are at my companies I work with, when it comes to account based marketing, it's like 101, 201, maybe. And then of course, if you get good at that and you start seeing returns and you're like, okay, now let's supercharge this engine. Then yeah. you do the more advanced things, the demand based success stuff that gives you this kind of AI powered analytics around the engagement of those accounts, the web personalization, sure. the stuff that you kind of tur- take it to the next level uh but, but i just think it's important for us all to acknowledge that not everybody's there right um where are you sitting right now what's the city you're in
0: i'm in nashua new hampshire
1: new hampshire like i bet if you kind of drove in a 5 mile circle around where you live uh the number of people you're going to interact with that are kind of level 3 and beyond account based marketers <laughs> is going to be like zero
0: right yeah probably so, maybe, like, two. Yeah. maybe two
1: yeah <laughs> there you go so like let's acknowledge the fact that most of the if you take san francisco bay area's high tech companies out of the equation, and kind of the the really advanced kind of AI-driven robotics companies of, you know, the Bay Area or Northeast New York, out of the equation, you're left with everybody else. You're left with us, right? I'm in Atlanta. Right. And for us, it's just not that complicated. That's, that's the, the myth I'd like to bust.
0: I love the analogy of college, too, the idea of the 101 and the 201. And I guess the challenge that I have, too, is that if that, right? Because I think a lot of us, we're not even going to necessarily school there's not really like where do we learn this from and so it's almost like we're at we're at the at-home study course or sometimes worse we're just looking at blog posts from different vendors you know that we you mentioned earlier we're all kind of mudding the waters and it's almost like we're we're reading Cosmo and trying to learn about something you know or or whatever magazine it is and in the airport vendor uh, about what ABM is so maybe you could break it down you mentioned you know going after accounts and marketing to them on that first part of accounts like how do you we kind of want to sell everything to everyone. So, how do you focus when you really just want to get as many leads in as possible?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's another myth that's part of this that would be worth busting. At the same time, as I answer this question, is yeah. that it's not a uh, this versus it's not a binary thing, right? Account-based marketing is not you do this and you turn off the other stuff. Oh, for cool. most for most companies, account-based mar- marketing is a strategy they use to augment their their kind of broad-based marketing attempts. Right, you're trying to get. Awareness in the market you're trying to get brand awareness you're trying to create uh you know the analogy of like you have the house the nicest house in the neighborhood, and your business yeah. is the nicest house in the neighborhood, but people don 't know how they don't know your address so <laughs> yeah. how how do they even find your house right sure and so there's you don't just throw wholesale all of that out and replace it you just augment it and and I think that the the rest of the answer to your question is kind of um Once you start to go down this path, what are the more interesting things you can do? Because it's one thing to get account engagements. The metrics change, right? Um, If I just used Cheshire as another example, if you were an account we were marketing to, I I may not measure pipe as the way I do. I may not measure MQLs and SQLs, the old standard metrics. I may measure how engaged is Cheshire with me. In other words, if you're 100 employees, am I engaging with all of them? Or is it sure. 10% engagement or whatever? So the metrics kind of change. Okay. The other, the other thing that changes is the quality of those leads is much, much higher because you can start to tune the message to those specific accounts. You can start to talk to them in a, in a language and a voice that is unique to them, uh, which means by definition, you know, you're going to create a more compelling event and a more compelling right. story for that prospect. Um, but then what? Let's say you know. Let's say continue this analogy of Chase, Casey's my customer, sure. and you're an account. Let's say Casey lands. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Let's say Casey lands on your website as a target account and the founder of the company. Right. You want him to just click around and kind of stumble through a chat bot, or do you want our sales team to immediately engage with him? Mm. So there's those additional, more interesting, not necessarily advanced kind of level three things, but thinking about that last mile. And there's amazing technology that can help customers do that in combination with Part Odd and Salesforce. but you have qualified.com, which is it takes this whole account-based marketing thing and says, okay, now you've got your accounts and you're, you're putting you know, domains into the emails so we know who right. you know at Cheshireimpact.com. if we get one of those people on our website, we don't want him to click around and get a bot. We want him to get in touch with a salesperson. We want you to talk to me like right now. Right. and what qualify does for customers of ours like thoughtspot for instance is it lets them see those most qualified visitors based on their account and opens this door directly with a sales rep it's almost like zoom for a sdr team to connect directly with those most qualified prospects that kind of thing doesn't require you know math and science degrees it just, right. it's just just <laughs> about how do i take them once they're in assure sure. that they get the best experience possible and whoever they are i can if i know who they are Um, you know give them to a salesperson shut close that 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 time from clicking around and asking questions to a bot down to Casey is talking to a salesperson we know who he is we know what he needs and we can address your needs immediately
0: I, I love the idea of that customizing the journey especially you know kind of almost trailing off from the ABM sense of just focusing and but being able to then customize and that experience becomes so much more rich for those key targets and then this qualified thing, I'm excited about this too. But you mentioned that thing, that term, the last mile. Maybe you could talk about that.
1: Yeah, you know, what, what I think a lot of uh, companies are, are doing is that they're measuring the top of the funnel, right? We have metrics around MQLs. Totally. And then we, of course, have measure, metrics around SQL, sales qualified leads. Uh, but what about all of the people who didn't even continue their journey? Because they got to the website, they didn't find what they needed, and they bounced. Yep. Th- that last bit where even if K- if Casey's if my target account, and the CEO founder of that company hits my website. I don't want him to go anywhere. Yeah, I, I want to immediately talk to him. And that's that last mile where you're creating this separation between Casey and everybody else because because you're a target account and because you're the founder, you should have a different experience than you know um, someone that's in your office that maybe is you know in a different department. Right. If if your finance guy or gal rolls up to the website, do I need to engage them immediately? Right. Not necessarily. I do want them to have a better experience, but I definitely want to engage you. I definitely want to engage your, you know, sales leader, your buying committee. Um, and I want that engagement to be a real human being immediately.
0: You know, I've always heard, it's all about prioritizing your time when you're in sales. You know, you don't, you don't have time to talk to the world. You need to prioritize who can I talk to, to you know, that's the most effective. And and I love the idea of, you know, Oh, your key person, the person you've been dying to get in touch with all year that you've been nurturing and you've been sending direct mail to is on your site right now, but let's give them a bot, right? Let's- no, it's like, let's, I want I want to personally talk to them. I will drop everything I'm doing and I want to talk to them and answer any questions they have and start that relationship.
1: That's right. And you know, that, that's that's not necessarily always the case, right? Sure. I mean the, the target account contacts are not always the ones that find their way to the website, although we we as marketers construct a journey that will hopefully lead you there. Right. And for everyone else, you don't want them to go away. I mean, you can develop a relationship with a customer um, that is random. And that's, you know, part out of the and Salesforce help customers do that, right? You're you're creating right. the campaigns and you're putting the messages in market to draw people in. Um, it, the, 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 issue of this last mile thing is like, now they're in now what, and the ability to, like you said, as a sales rep, the most important thing you could do is spend your time on the most qualified leads. And right. you know, Einstein helps you with lead, you know, management, you can actually, Einstein will tell you like, this leads more qualified than this one. And here's why, cause it looks a lot like all these other leads in your queue that have converted. So you have this power of AI in the lead queue. That's great. It's actually hugely efficient for a sales team, but nothing Like that is when this human being, let let me paint a picture. Yeah. You're a sales rep and you're looking at your lead queue in Salesforce and it is being propagated with AI powered insights around the leads, Mm -hmm. right? Einstein lead scoring. That's a feature of the product sales Cloud combination. And so now I'm looking at a lead queue that's already prioritized for me. I'm, a, I'm way ahead of my competition. Right?
0: 100%. They're Right now, they're calling a student doing research right now.
1: Exactly right. right. Now? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So then then I all of a sudden, one of those, this is the analogy I use, one of the leads is like number 72. Uh, the score is relatively high, but they haven't made it to the top of the queue. It happens to be someone who tells us a little more about themselves, like they fill out their title, and it's your VP of finance or something. Right. And then that's where – the combination of Einstein, Pardot and qualified.com for instance, pulls them immediately to the top of the queue and says, Hey, this person's actually on the website right now. Wow. And so now you're, that's that last mile. That's like connecting all the marketing energy to the sales motion in a way that really kind of closes that gap forever.
0: I like that. That it, I could see that being super powerful, almost like the, uh, we're watching this as a family the other day. The flux capacitor, you know, has three different things. They all come together and you can t- travel through time. It's like the Einstein, the Pardot, the Qualified, the, that, that live in the moment experience. Using all that together because, you, again, you can't chat with everybody. Right. If it comes on your site. I yeah. can't do that. Except but, it as I am, I you've got to prioritize, you know? Well,
1: you, you wouldn't want to, right? Because there's right. plenty of people that find their way to your website through maybe a well-placed ad and it, it gets their attention, but they're not in the market. They're not really so a true. buyer. Yeah. And so you, you want them to have an experience that's good, but you don't want to necessarily stop everything your sales team's doing for that person. Right. Um, and so you have to build a strategy around how do you handle for all of those? And that's what this stuff does. And at the end of the day, like I said, the, the, the myth that I'd like to bust is it all just starts with accounts. Yeah. It's not, it it's not this accounts. complicated thing that's that, you know, been kind of um, muddled up through, through time.
0: What I also like is that you said you don't have to throw everything out, right? So it's not right. like you have to – you're just getting into it. You're, you've done your 101. You listen to this podcast. You listen to the pardot podcast, which we'll talk about, and you've gotten some education. You don't have to bet the farm on your first attempt at it. Keep doing what you're doing, but to your point, it's an overlay. It's just that's right. It's augmenting with this information.
1: You know, most marketers I talk to, um, are, they, they try, st- they're, they're the ultimate kind of testers, right? Totally. Uh, especially growth marketers and, and people who think about the, the revenue engine and the, you know, Tracy Eiler, our friend from inside, yeah. is a great example of this, where she encourages her team to try things. And, uh, this is one of those things. If you haven't done this before, don't wholesale throw out what you know is working. Try, try it, you know, identify with your sales leader as a partnership you know, 10 or 20 or 30 accounts that you want to see how this can work and then put some programs in place to kind of market to those accounts and see what you see. If you're like most companies who are doing this well, the results kind of speak for themselves, but, but don't go wholesale, you know, test it out and try it and see what you think.
0: Yeah, those little small, you know, shots as opposed to just launching a cannonball in one direction, you know, getting a exactly. test in there. Right. That's, you know, you've mentioned sales a lot, too, in this process. And I think I'd love to hear your take on the idea of sales and marketing alignment. Um, your sales is usually manning these qualified chats, so you kind of have to have a conversation. How do you, especially even at part, in Salesforce, how do you stay in tune? What's your take on it?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that, that we don't have time for a b- bunch of myths to bust, but if we added one here, I would you say- all day.
0: I, don't, I <laughs> cleared your calendar for you. I don't know if you know yeah. that. <laughs> um, the,
1: the sales and marketing alignment, I've, is, I keep on coming back to over the last three years in this role, um, that the idea of alignment is actually evolved and kind of outdated. And what okay. I mean by that is alignment suggests that like what they're saying and what I'm saying are kind of the same thing, but that's not re- what we're talking about what we're talking about is sales and marketing working as a partnership. It's, it's a collaboration. It's not them and us, it's, it's us. And that kind of suggests that it's not about alignment. It's about like partnership and, and, and doing this together. This matters to all of us. And here's an example of the difference. Um, There was a time, you know, two years ago when I would put up metrics in a sales and marketing meeting in a pipe council, for instance, we have pipe councils where we're looking at the pipe gen and the coverage for the business. And I'd put up my dashboard and it was, you know, pipe generation, and then the sales leaders would pull up their dashboard, and guess what they were pulling up? They're pulling up opportunity and forecasts, right? Right. So you know, if you've read the five love languages, have you heard that book? Uh, dude, I love that book. Yeah, it's great. I recommend it to everybody I I meet. It's you, so applicable. Are
0: you going to share yours with me, or maybe maybe after?
1: Yeah, words of affirmation is my is my main one.
0: Okay, cool. I, I'm I'm after words of affirmation and. Uh... Oh God, what was the other one? But yeah, that, that was the- Quality point. time.
1: You're, I think you're a quality time guy.
0: Well, physical touch too, right? Okay, so yeah. Like, so yeah. hug, you know, like a yeah. hug. Yeah,
1: yeah. so here's the, here's the way sales and marketing applicable, the application of this crazy- I love I that, yeah. that It's like, what in the world? Sales is talking a different language. They're talking about opportunities and forecasts. And I'm over here talking about pipe gen and coverage. And we're talking about kind of the same thing, but we're not using the same words. Their numbers and my numbers don't match because, you know, a forecast- that's based on opportunity, you know, maturity oh. is not the same thing as the top of the funnel and pipe gen and marketing qualified leads. And so we are always talking past each other. And I think what's necessary today is, you know, understanding each other's love language, right? Yeah. For lack of a better way to describe it. And it's like, talk about sales the way sales talks about sales, talk right. about accounts, talk about opportunities, talk about influencing opportunities. And if you do that, you're not aligning, you're, you're actually partnering in a totally fundamental way. And by the way, this goes both ways. If you're a sales leader out there and you happen to stumble across this session, take the opportunity to go interrogate your marketing team's metrics and understand how they could be translated for you to make more sense of them. Right. And then use the same words because words matter. So when you're in a pipe council, don't talk pipe Jan and then switch over to forecast review, talk a forecast or talk the business, talk account engagement, talk about things that mean something to both parties. And then you're no longer talking about alignment. You're talking about a real partnership.
0: I love that. You know, the, the love language book, I think people should read that. It's called the five love languages. It's fascinating. This podcast just helped you out, you know, everyone listening to more than just business just now. But one of the key things to that is that oftentimes, especially with people that you love and your family, friends, spouses, um, that they're, they're not, they're not saying the wrong things to make you mad. They're just, they have a different language. So they're actually coming at, they're actually trying to help you. Like they may be cleaning up the whole house for you like four times, get their acts of service. And if you're not understanding that that's their language, they actually just said they loved you all day today.
1: Yep. Right? That's right.
0: Sales is probably, or marketing sales it might be saying, I love you today, but you just don't understand what their language is. So you- it's going over your head.
1: That's right. It's just lost in translation. Yeah. And, and that, that's a, it's a big, big opportunity in for us marketers to think about the language of sales and then incorporate that into our way of doing things, and vice versa. By the way, I, I always want to remind everyone: I don't think it's it's um, I don't think the impetus is on the marketing team to figure this out. I think it's it's on both of us, and okay. the sales leaders out there need to think about what are the things that marketing is measuring, and how can I translate those things into my world, and vice versa. And then you then you don't have an alignment issue; you have a partnership.
0: You're very you're very beyond aligned, right? You're in lockstep. Um, where you're at is there any kind of moment that that takes place in is it a process what would you recommend for the groups that they're like they're they're kind of picking up what you're putting down it's like well how, what's my first step or how do i make sure
1: that's a great question I, my, my suggestion or recommendation would be the first step is to show up at the next sales meeting reviewing marketing details but starting with the sales number like start with their number you know, if if it's a if it's a quarterly business review, start your marketing section with with incorporating the way they talk about their business, their them being more sales. So if it's let's just use an example, if it's quota attainment, right? And you're at a company where in the quarter, a million dollars was a great quarter. So you, and the the sales team is about to talk about or they would talk about their ability to attain that or overachieve on it, right? Mm-hmm. And so let's say at your company, your sales leader and his whole team or her whole team have come in at a hundred percent attainment. Start your, your section of that same meeting with hundred percent attainment. And then, then move into the marketing that drove the pipe that led to that hundred percent attainment and, you know, walk them backwards into the way that you drove programs that helped them achieve their goal. And that will change the whole dynamic because the last time you went to that meeting, you showed up with a bunch of programs. I, I almost guarantee it. I can see all the marketers out there with their slide decks, and it was a bunch of marketing programs and ads in markets and MQLs. And the sales leaders start to, you know, nod off, and they d- can't, re- they can't do the kind of mental gymnastics that it takes to connect what you just said to their million dollar attainment. And you can do that as the marketer. We're, we're better at that than most, right? Doing the the storytelling and the kind of setting right. up of the of the way the message connects. You
0: should going to the sales meeting. Right, going to this even being there, one you're gonna hear things that might inspire future campaigns and strategies. Right. But then, when it's your time to report, don't go throwing out your safe metrics of impressions and and CPC and and yeah. PM and all sorts of weird, wacky things that no one knows what you're talking about. Right? I, right. I, yeah, it makes total sense. This was your goal. This is everyone's goal. Okay, hear things that I think help. Control.
1: That's exactly right.
0: And how, how do you get to those? Those how do you draw that line yourself so that it stands up in front of a room of sales killers?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the first thing is to understand where you're influencing the pipe and the, the ACV, the, the right. revenue or the, the quota attainment. In other words, you know, there's a lot of smart marketers out there. And if the only thing we're care, we care about is the metrics, we can make the metrics look great. But what hmm. I learned in through my 10 plus years in, in marketing is, uh, none of those metrics that are green matter if the revenue and the targets for the sales team aren't green too. Right. Like full stop. Interesting.
0: Full so stop. Yeah. If,
1: you know, if you're generating $10 million in pipe, so you have a 10 X coverage for that million, The same example, I'll use the same example, a million dollar quarter attainment is the target, right? right. The, the revenue. And um, in marketing, you've generated 10 times that in pipe. No one cares if the sales <laughs> team came in at $750,000. Right. right? Yeah. No one cares. You're not a hero. They're not celebrating because the number didn't get met and the job of sales is hard and they're the ones that are paying the bills. Like, let's be honest, marketing budgets are <laughs> determined by the ability for the company to hit its metrics, to hit its objectives financially, right? So if you go into a meeting saying we got $10 million in PipeGen, look at us, you just lost that discussion as a partner with the sales team. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, if you go into that same, it's like game, I get
0: to go have recess. You guys enjoy to attention. Peace.
1: Wrong, wrong, wrong. You're, you're, you're not on the
0: team anymore. You're not on the
1: yeah. team. And, uh, that's not sales and marketing alignment at <laughs> yeah. all. That's, the opposite. that's so the opposite. Instead, imagine going to that. If you did have a quarter where you came in at 75% attainment on the revenue back to answer your question, it's like backing up to the number that you were able to generate and influence and then start talking about the things that you could do better. Like all of us know there are things that we can do better. Nothing's ever perfect. So when you're doing that same sales review, here's the revenue number, back that up to where, what the generation of pipe, maybe you did generate 10 million of pipe it, at that point. It's just a data point. It's just, here's the pipe we generated. Yep. Then what you did as a savvy marketing leader was interrogate that quality. To right. Why is 10 million not generating or resulting in the million dollars in revenue? And right. we think it's because of this program or this program and this program. And so next quarter we're adjusting, right? And now you, you've maintained that relationship and that, that car- partnership because you're, you're talking their language.
0: And you have the same outcome.
1: Right. Uh, and we own it together.
0: Right. right. Just because I'm green, my green doesn't count if you're red. If no. you're red, we're all red. Yep. Yeah.
1: And, and in a real life scenario, if your sales team came in at 75% of their number, but you generated 10X coverage, then you probably got a quality issue. Right? You for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're, you're generating, you know, and us marketers know how to do that. We can, you know. Oh, yeah. For pump a bunch of money into paid ads on Facebook and you'll get a bunch of impressions. But right. uh, those impressions oftentimes don't translate into deals. You know,
0: speaking of that same kind of topic, I was once chatting with the, the CEO of one of those rental office, uh, national rental office, ty- kind of like the Regis type of thing. Um, and we were chatting and he had said, well, I just want, I just want tours of my building. That's all I want marketing to do is get tours of my building, and then I'll let my on-site salesperson close them down. And and I and I started to highlight. Well, that can be a problem because if I if I really needed to as a marketer, I could get college students to show up for free pizza. You know, stay-at-home parents. I can get all sorts of people to show up for a tour. It yeah. doesn't. Yep. mean It's going to equate to business. And. Yep. Like, that's not aligned. No. uh, Like, I need to drive revenue, like people who take a tour and book. That's That's the kind of qualified tour I need to drive. Yeah,
1: Exactly right. You need to find people who are in the market for space that then go get a tour so that your hit rate goes way up, right? Otherwise, you're right. Like, you know, kids and moms and dads show up and get the free ice cream and they bounce. Like, that's not interesting for anybody.
0: And And... And it's, this is—it's kind of cool because you're you're doing this. So you know, if I would ask you, like, how how does Pardot do Pardot, right? How and how do you approach it? Because obviously, we don't have time to necessarily talk about you know the, the latest dynamic list or something like that. But sure. you know, what's your overall approach to it? When I mean, you look at that whole ecosystem.
1: Yeah. So we have a, a very specific strategy for marketing of our marketing automation. It's funny because you mentioned Pardot, and I'll just take a second because I do recognize that uh, we're in a unique position as marketers of a marketing automation platform whose yeah. audience is marketers, right? It's it's like I've told people before it's kind of like if you were a realtor and your only customers were other realtors. <laughs> right. You know, you have to be really good at it, right? Cuz they'll know if you're not. And so, uh, I just I add that caveat because I you know, I think sometimes we can become myopic and think, well, everybody does this stuff. And the truth is that's not that's not true. They don't all understand the technology itself. I've got, I've
0: done that too before where like yeah. You got, you, what? No, it's like, well, what is, is market automation?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, let me take a step Whoa, back. Oh, yeah let's, yeah, let's take a step back. Yeah. Remember, you know, remember your neighbor in New Hampshire or my neighbor yeah. here in Atlanta. Like, they don't know what you're talking about. So, right. um, we have to kind of remember that. But to answer your question, we think about um, the marketing of our solution to our audience. The, one of the most important things that every marketer knows is that persona who is the buyer, who is the influencer, who's the decision making committee. And we're trying to put the product and the, the positioning of our product in front of those people. And so that means, okay, where are those audiences? Nowadays, more than ever before, they're on their mobile phones, they're on social networks. And so we look at all of those channels um, and we we think about engaging that audience where they spend their time. Um, And and then the the strategy ultimately is kind of two-pronged. One is we have a great solution for Salesforce customers, customers of the Salesforce ecosystem, the, the platform of the sales cloud. And so we, we go to where they are. They show up at world tour events like the one we're doing next week here in Atlanta. Right. They show yep. up at, you know, they show up at Dreamforce. And so we, we want to put our, our capability in front of those folks because we have the best solution for them um, for marketing. Yeah. And then we also, though, we go to things like serious decisions in Austin, Texas this right. last year where it's a bunch of B2B marketers who are trying to learn, you know, improve processes and the best practices and want them to know that Salesforce has a leading B2B marketing automation platform because they probably don't know that. And it's our job to make sure they do. And so all of that awareness stuff results in engagement and that engagement results in qualified pipeline and that qualified pipeline results in sales. And that's, that's all we do with Pardot. That's all we do all the time. That's all, that's all we're doing right now. I mean,
0: you are not
1: having a great discussion, but at the end of the day, it's about awareness for the brand with your audience.
0: Sure. Sure. I love that approach too. It seems very smart to, there's there's like within the ecosystem, um, which has all sorts of amazing things going on, and then there's people outside of the ecosystem, and and you don't want to be too focused on either one of those because they're both important. You want to get more people to understand things, and you also want to increase the knowledge of the people already in the family, if you will, of all the different tools. That's
1: right. Yeah, I mean we have to we have to think about both, and we have to you know, and when it comes to like something as tactical as marketing spend, we have to think about yeah. how we spend. Uh, our resources in order to get in front of both of those audiences. um, And and we tune it and tweak it according to what's working best and where our opportunities are, Um, whether that's digital or physical, uh, we take our opportunities and and treat them very seriously. Everybody's resources are limited, right? So you have to, I I say this all the time, people probably get cranky, but marketing is like dollars and people, right? (laughs) It boils down to dollars and people. And so how do you spend your dollars and your people's time uh, it needs to have the most impact on what on driving your business forward and turning right. into deals. And if it's not that, then I don't know what you're doing.
0: Yeah. And to your p- earlier point, you're looking either inside the ecosystem or outside the ecosystem for things that will affect that top line number that sales is looking at in their sales meeting. Right. And so I-, I love it kind of all ties back together. It's not like, let's just tell you how to do this yeah. one thing, but do it differently. You're, yeah. you're doing this with a, the the end goal in mind.
1: That's right. And you know, It sounds like I'm sitting here advocating for like, we're all just salespeople. The truth of the matter is we are. But the other thing is the marketing that I love, the part of the job that I love the most is not just seeing the satisfaction of a sales leader who says, you know, great job and helping us get to our goals. That's all, that's nice, but that's not what's engaging. We get to be creative. We get to come up with the positioning and the messaging. We get to think about, you know, when we show up at world tours, how do we show up? What's our voice? What do we look like? How how do we, what's the demo? What's the story we tell in a demo, um, and that's the fun part. I think that's why we right. all got into marketing in the first place. But all of it serves; it's all in service of driving a business outcome. It's not just for the sake of doing it,
0: right? Yeah, that that swag or that podcast, whatever it is, none of those things are just independently just for fun. Exactly, it could be fun, but it it needs to be toward that end goal.
1: That's right. And when yeah. when we when we do something fun, like we, I, I I'll share an example of one we did where. We actually did VR headsets. I don't have one in here. Wow! um, To train our sales development reps on the product, who are they're the ones qualifying leads that come in through downloads of white papers or webinar attendance or whatever, Um, they need to help you understand what the product can do for you. So we did this VR experience where they put this headset on and they could like turn around. They see me do a demo. The demo pops up on the screen. It was really cool. But why did we spend the money to do something like that? Yes, that was creative and cool and interesting. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it's a scalable way of training a sales development rep organization that's getting bigger and bigger. You know, our sales development organization at Salesforce is a a system that feeds the next generation of account executives and leaders in the company. Right. So uh, we get to them early. We train them with this thing. It's very engaging for them. They think it's the coolest thing they've seen. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's scalable. We can ju- right. you know, We have the headsets now. If we want to update, we got a release in the product. We can just go put the backdoor system update and the headsets all reflect that latest vision. So that's why we did it. So we could scale with an ever growing sales development organization to get our product proposition in front of those people who are the first line of defense when it comes to, you know, qualifying deals. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. And yeah, it was creative, but it ultimately served in, it was in service of uh, enabling and empowering our sales team.
0: Yeah. The intersection of fun and effectiveness yeah. I think that's why most of us are in marketing.
1: Absolutely. It's why I'm here for sure.
0: Yeah. So what, what's exciting you these days? Cause you're, you mentioned several things the VR thing, by the way, when you mentioned that it took me like five seconds to come back to reality. I was like imagining being in there and like hopping into a part on list or something.
1: Yeah. We'll have to but, send you one. It's really cool. Yeah. It's really yeah. cool.
0: So so what excites you these days? What, what are you seeing around here, um, either in the technology or the strategy um, world in marketing that, that kind of has you giving
1: it a second glance? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the first thing is the power of artificial intelligence. I okay. mean, I, I think we're still very early days. You know, uh, it's kind of ironic. Uh, ironic may not be the word. It's kind of interesting that um, AI-powered devices have been so predominant in the consumer side of the landscape, mm. right? With Alexa and Google devices, your right. phone, your you know, in your car. I mean, uh, AI powered engagement is everywhere in the consumer world, and then on the B two B side, in like in my case, the application and the use cases has. I think we're just getting started. Right. So examples like I mentioned earlier, Einstein lead scoring. You know, mm-hmm. hey. This lead, because you have thousands of leads in your database, they all have converted or not converted, deaded out or whatever. The machine learning that Einstein does against all of that data then results in a model that says, hey, this lead called Casey looks a lot like a lead that closed. Right. And so they now are top of your priority. Like that's just a simple example of an extraordinary use case that really creates uh, efficiency and capability for the salespeople to not just go, you know, I was a sales rep 20 years ago Yeah. Uh, inside sales rep. And I literally remember my life was like, here's my lead queue, And I started at the top and I worked my way down. And somewhere in there, it was just a numbers game, right? You call a yeah. hundred people, 10 yep. will say, give me a meeting. And one would buy. That was right. the math. right? Einstein AI and the power of that in our platform for our customers gives them the ability where they might only call 10 people and get a hit. that's huge right that's 90 costs you didn't make that yeah i mean it's extraordinary what that's doing and i think again that's what's exciting about where we are right now because it's just it's so early yeah um i'm doing a a demo on on um next wednesday here in atlanta okay in the the keynote and we're highlighting a customer called elf eyes lips and face it's an extraordinary um, cosmetics company and their, um, their digital head is named Ecta Chopra. She's a trailblazer by every definition. She's amazing. Wow. Um, but in the demo, we'll show how their website, powered by B2B Commerce, Commerce Cloud from Salesforce, is not just voice activated. So I can say, find me this thing just talking to my phone when I'm on wow. the health website. It's even better than that. It's got Einstein search recommendations. So it says what you said, and then it looks at all your purchase history and all the browsing history and says, you, I think you mean this. And so the recommendation engine that's in there is just extraordinary compared to the old days of just dictation, right? Absolutely. Um, so there's just, like, how does that apply to a B2B example? There's just so much coming around AI. I think that's the first one.
0: You know, and, and to that, I think a lot of times, I'm pretty good at Google searching like I kind of know the phrases to put but not everyone is and sometimes just getting that wrong is the, half the problem or what I tend to do more likely in conversation is I'll I'll say like the wrong thing I'm like oh yeah that that Toyota or whatever I mentioned but I really was talking about a Subaru but and I I could see AI being like actually Casey you know you oh, were at you. the the Subaru dealership the other day I'm like oh you're right thanks
1: AI. yeah there's just exactly i mean and there's there's so much to that for marketers especially on right. like the business to business side yeah uh, that we have not yet seen come to light and there's more to come we have a lot of plans internally that um you know we can talk about another time but I, I just think the use cases are are endless and yet to be all kind of lit up in the in the case of most b2b marketers are adopting ai in some form or fashion i just think we're at the beginning of what's possible
0: for sure. And I think there's also a little bit of that um, same thing that happened with ABM. There's a lot of talk about AI and we're not, it's not, you know, the Terminator 2, you know, no. but everyone's, it's not data from Star Trek, but there is some serious power to it. So kind of sort sifting through, I could see, you know, your demo and, and learning from, you know, key leaders that are actually saying, this is what it really is. You know, let me cut right to the, this is what it does
1: for yeah. You. Yep. helpful. Yeah. Yeah. What about podcasts? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. So AI is a big one. Uh, Account-based marketing is one that we, you know, we, we, we got to figure out how to make sure people know that it's approachable and not as complicated as we made it out to be, but it's got some tremendous promise. Um, We think about account engagement, you know, you hear a lot about customer engagement and that's very important because engaging human beings uh, with your brand or your service or your product is the way you get them to engage. Sure. Uh, you know, to buy or at least to, to approach it and understand it and then put it in their database for later. Um, but account engagement is how we're thinking about, you know. Got it. Account is just a constitution of humans, right? It's just a bunch of people that, that are part of an organization or entity. So what does account engagement look like? That's another kind of uh, exciting trend I'm, I'm seeing and we're okay. really, really trying to light up for our customers right now. Uh, because there's, there's a way to do that that's just not really been done yet, and we're excited about that. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, podcasts are amazing. I mean, what I love about podcasts is the ability for anyone – that rides a bus or drives into work or flies on an airplane or stands at the, you know, stands in the gate as they're waiting to board can, can learn, you know, in real time all the time. And I, I I personally am a huge fan of our podcast. We don't, we don't run it, but we sponsor it. Um, it's marketing trends. Marketing trends is the leading B2B marketing podcast. Actually, it's not even B2B there's, there's, it's basically, you know, a podcast led by the mission.org. Um, and they interview all sorts of marketing leaders from companies across the spectrum. Uh, and the insights and the tidbits that those people share it's marketingtrends.com. It's that simple. Uh, and the insights you hear from all these marketing leaders is just extraordinary if you're a practitioner like me. Right. So uh, I just love the idea of using podcasts to learn and educate each other individually, but also the opportunity to put your brain in front of audiences that are relevant. Like in our case, we're sponsoring the marketing trends podcast every single person that listens to that here's our message and understands that part is here to help. So,
0: yeah, I'm actually a fan of it. You've had some really cool people on there. Uh, O'Neill is amazing. Yep. Um, and I, I was, yeah, as I, sc- I went to the site, uh, so again, it's marketingtrends.com. I went there, mm-hmm. I'm just scrolling through these names and it's like a, it's like a mini dream force, you know,
1: yeah. my ears. Yeah, that's exactly right.
0: I'm scrolling through.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can you can learn everything that's going on in the landscape of marketing today by listening to that podcast. And that, that's it's an opportunity, uh, again, you know, the idea that your skills are kind of baked and, and ready, I think is is a fallacy. I think we right. all have to constantly continuously learn. Uh, okay. Trailhead, you know, the Salesforce platform for learning called Trailhead, trailhead.com is another uh, really empowering mechanism for anyone to learn the skills that are needed today. And it's not just about Salesforce technology. There's, there's courses, courses on trailhead around, you know, how to be a better leader, how to manage a distributed team. I mean, there's everything you'd ever want. And hearing the stories of the transformation that individuals have gone through because that technology was available to them for free, who have gone on to become admins at companies because they got certified as a CRM admin through trailhead. Like I just, that's a really exciting trend I'm seeing as well
0: yeah you know there's a lot of different groups that, that tie into that for me you know like vet force and oh yeah you know, getting veterans just a shot at you know learning these things virtually and then now they're they're admins at amazon or some other large company they're, they're crushing it it's great yeah. to see that that the access is kind of shared now with everyone
1: yeah it's available to everybody i mean there's nothing more powerful than ripping down the barriers that cause people to not engage as right. long as you can get on a on your phone or on a you know, laptop and hit trailhead.com, you can you can learn for free. And it's really uh changing the game for a lot of customers and a lot of prospective pers- uh employees for many of these companies.
0: Right. So so Nate, we've been chatting for a little bit here, but I'm really curious like, who are you? Like like how did you become this, you know, this marketing leader of marketers selling to marketers and um, you know, like take us back to like Little Mate days or Back in the day, do you always know you want to go into marketing? And what kind of experiences like shaped your your life early on that, that led led get you this journey started?
1: Yeah, so uh, I'll go back not to all the way to little Nate because that's been a long time, but I'll go to uh, <laughs> like post college. It can't Nate. have been that long, honestly. college, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, have, I have a sixteen year old son, so if that tells you, wow, uh, right started, on. He just started driving, so a little bit about who I am. I have got I've got uh, um, I, I started out in the finance business. I was a banker. Um, and like through college, I worked at a bank and I thought that's what I was going to do for my life. I got series six and 63 certified. I could sell mutual funds and annuities. And I thought that was my path. Um, and then in about 98, my brother had been in technology for a while. He's a hardcore developer back then. Uh, and he's like, oh man, the high tech is the modern gold rush, you know, the equivalent of the old gold rush. Um, and there's so much going on and you should just check it out. And I learned how to program, took a programming course at a local college where I lived at the time down at what language. Uh, it was C plus
0: Okay. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did too. That's cool.
1: Yeah. And I thought, you know, I can, I get it, but I also thought my life sitting behind a computer coding is just it's not me. Um, right. There's people that that's perfect for them. It's just right. not me. And so, uh, he said, well, you don't have to be a programmer, you know, you could be a sales rep or a marketer or whatever. And I literally gave up the finance degree, the finance career, to join a small software company in Colorado called Advanced Software Technologies. Shout out to Greg Shotland and the old team back there. Shout out. um, Who hired me as an inside sales rep. Took a huge pay cut. Wow. um, Moved out to Colorado and started working leads um, for this little software company. Uh, And quickly realized that although I was good at it, uh, being a top performing sales rep was going to make me old before my time. I remember thinking, (laughs) the stress of the quota was just a lot. And, sure. and I was not, I was not okay with just being a salesperson. I kind of wanted to be a top tier. The best. Uh, yeah. yeah. And you know, that takes a lot more work. The difference between average and extraordinary in the sales world is a whole different ball game. It is. Um, so, uh, I actually also recognized in myself that I had the technical acumen and I learned how to program C plus plus and actually by then Java and, uh, and thought, oh, you know, I think I could be a, an SE, a sales engineer.
0: Right. Okay.
1: So I got into sales engineering. So I spent 10 years doing field-facing technical roles for a couple different software companies. Wow. Uh, and then in 2009, I had an opportunity to join Salesforce in the product marketing side, uh, which was in a competitive intelligence role. Um, I remember very clearly, Casey, the, the CMO at the time, his name was George, uh, sorry, the COO at the time, George Who? He asked me in the interview, like, why do you want to be in marketing? And I said, well, I actually didn't know I wanted to be in marketing. I always thought that <laughs> marketers were people that couldn't build it and couldn't sell it. Uh, oh, nice. Uh, so he actually smiled and thought that was an interesting response to a person interviewing for a marketing job. Uh, right. But I, I learned quickly at Salesforce that um, you know, marketing done right creates the space for the sales team and the product team to operate. Yeah. And so when we create the vision of what's possible, when we create engagement for customers, when we tell them what we do and how we do it and how we can help them, it creates the opportunity for the sales team and the and the product team to sell and build the product. And that's why I love marketing today. And so I've been doing it now for 10 years, a couple different roles, both inside Salesforce and outside. And I just love it. I love the intersection of the technology with the getting the message out. And I, I don't like uh military, uh, Analogies that much, but one of my favorites, based on our history, example is mm-hmm. you know, uh, marketing done correctly is like the Air Force. Okay, you know, you're, you're yep. going out ahead and you're like looking for the targets and you're clearing the ground for the team that comes in behind, which is the yep. you know the Marines or the Army or the Navy, and that to me is the sales and the the product teams coming in behind and building the things we need to build and clearing the ground ahead. But you know the Air the Mar- Air Force analogy has always stuck with me because uh, I had a sales leader once that I, I told him, I'm like, man, if, if it were up to you, all marketing would be was hospitality and events, you know, dinners and, and baseball games. Right. Uh, and I said, the problem with that is that you, if we don't do our jobs right at the higher level, marketing level, you won't have anybody to invite to those dinners and to those hospitality events. So our job is to fill the top of the funnel and get yeah. those people that engage so that mm-hmm. they have somebody to invite. And that is uh, what I love about it the most and the creativity and the fun we we get to have with how do we get our message out and separate it from, you know, everybody else.
0: Do you think you, I mean, it's probably rhetorical at this point, but I mean, what kind of things did you learn from being, being both that, that sales guy dialing for dollars and then eventually into sales engineering? How, how have those experiences helped your marketing?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Casey. I think there's two aspects to that. One is, um, the understanding, of the technology, and I think this applies to anybody. If you're a marketer at any kind of company, whether it's a high tech company or a product company yeah. or you know candy bars, um, understanding the product and how it makes the customers feel and how it changes their life one way or the other, uh, the implications of if they don't have us, what do they have? You know, um, that understanding of the product itself at a deep level. In my case, it's a technical product, and I understand sure. it yeah. helps me market it more effectively. Um, but it helps me because I also have the sales side, which is I, you have to learn how to, you know, back to the five love languages, the translation between extraordinarily complex concept, a technical mm-hmm. concept, um, snippets is a great feature of our product. How do you tell a normal human being who doesn't think in terms of snippets, what that does for them? Right. And that's where the technical experts, the technical acumen, plus the ability to talk like a normal person, like a salesperson, um, blends to make me. I, a better marketer because i'm always reminding my team you know these are at the end of the day these are people that need to understand what we're saying
0: right. and we can't
1: use technical jargon to get those messages across we have to use plain language and the, the right. last thing i'll say and i'll just and i'll stop talking oh but, yeah um the other thing that the sales role out of the gate and even before that when i was a banker has done for me as a marketer is it, it's provided me an extraordinary amount of empathy like i i can sit in a room full of salespeople, and i know what they're talking about i know what it's like to sell. I know how hard it is at the end of a quarter. Uh, one of the things I'll tell my team, you know, as we get to the end of a quarter is like, Hey, let's stop all communications with the sales folks, let them do their thing. And we'll, we'll fire it back up at the, you know, the first week of the next quarter, but leave them really, the last two weeks of any quarter is like, just leave them alone because they're doing what they do. And we don't want to be kind of bombarding them with marketing messages.
0: Yeah. Or pulling them into some meeting that they don't right. need to be in because they're they trying don't. to close deals. They, and Cause oftentimes
1: because we have a great partnership, they might say yes, but we we're not doing them a service. like give them the space, and so right. that's another thing is just having been in sales, I have empathy for salespeople and and I think it comes through and and I'm a better marketer for it.
0: Yeah, it really is a tough job i I think the, I've always recommended for marketers to get some kind of sales experience, even if it's selling something for your local charity or you know tickets to your daughter's ballet, whatever it is, just to be able to experience that as scary as it may sound to some people. Yeah. So helpful. even
1: I mean, if you haven't been, if you're in marketing and you haven't been in sales, one of the simplest things you can do to understand a little bit more about their life is literally just go get on the phone, you know, put, put a splicer in the phone and listen to a half day of calls. And you'll be surprised at how much harder that job is than you thought. And it'll also give you some really interesting insights on, like, is our message resonating? Or are we able to talk about this in the right way at the right level? um or are we just confusing people you you'll hear that because the words that come out of people's mouths when they're not yet customers are oftentimes surprisingly different than the way you were talking about what you had to sell them
0: right almost a telephone game but it's yeah. good to hear that feedback yeah i've had a chance to do that a couple times myself and you're so right it you know we always talk about wanting the data and wanting the insights from our customers just
1: listen yeah
0: and and, and also see what you've put your salespeople through with your, your quote unquote leads. I remember one of the first times um, I, I sat in on one of those calls, like a fly on the wall, it was before we had marketing automation at, at a company I was at. And they got we got on the phone, they finally connected, and it's on speakerphone, it's really dramatic. Person's like, who are you guys again? What do you do? <laughs> It was yeah. like the most unqualified conversation yeah. ever. And so it became my mission to make sure now when someone got on the phone with them, they knew what they were. Yeah. They knew what they were going to do. Maybe they started asking price right away because they'd already seen everything else.
1: That's right. And, that, and that's great. But uh, yeah, I recommend it to everybody. And if you're a marketer and you've never been in sales, you, you have to figure out how to understand that job um, because it's a hard one. And, uh, and you can become a, I think you're a better marketer if you get it, if you've been there and done that and walked in their shoes, I think it just helps you be a better marketer.
0: Right. I think this is a good, good, even tie in right now. I'd love to know if, if you could give yourself career advice at the very beginning of your career, even, even pre-marketing, if you like, like right out of school, what would you tell yourself having all these experiences
1: yeah. So that's a great question, Casey. I, I've, I struggled with this a couple of years ago because I had done so many different things. I actually wrote a blog post about it on my own personal blog. Oh, wow. I haven't written in a long time on it, but, um, it was about having career kind of ADD, you know, attention deficit disorder. Right, And I, I wondered if I had it, I was like, am I just one of those people that just, w- you know, when I get a challenging, something is, is worth doing. So I'll go do it. Because you know, you and I both know people who are their whole career is in sales and that's their sure. thing, or yep. their whole career is in product. They're a product engineer, or their whole career is sales, various levels of sales, whether it's individual contributor or a sales leader. And and I was never like that. I've not been a career or anything. I've been right. a, a sales rep. I was a banker, <laughs> se. I've been a product marketer. I've been a marketer. Um, and actually, what I would give myself the advice going back to college was don't change anything because mm-hmm. I I really do. Although. Maybe if I had stayed in sales, I'd be kind of a more advanced level in my career or like leading sales at some company or even at Salesforce. Or if I had just gotten into marketing and stayed there, or if I just stayed as a sales engineer, maybe I'd be one or two steps further along in my career in that particular specialty. But I wouldn't be as good at what I'm doing in all of those things if I hadn't done all of them. And uh, I really appreciate that about my journey. And I would go back to my younger self and say, do as much as you can. If it's challenging, and you're learning, and you're helping people understand what it is you do, and you're building a great team along the way, then do it. You know, don't yeah. don't hold back, and don't let you know. I am a dot 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 define you.
0: Right, right. Don't sweat it. And, and to your point, yeah, maybe maybe because I've talked to um, a guy named Heidi who was in sales and just fell in love with the ABM idea and ended up being a marketer out the yeah. back end. And it, yeah, and it's like cool go with yeah. it
1: yeah yeah and, and you she's probably better i think heidi uh is probably better at marketing because of her passion 100 percent. right
0: oh yeah and having yeah. been in sales yeah 100 yeah. Yeah. percent.
1: so yeah i'd go back to myself and say you know there's a couple of paths you can take here you, the path that you're going to take is a good one and stay with it right and just right. be in more and maybe even my advice would be be intentional about it because at that time when I was went from sales to a sales territory to a sales manager, then I went to be an SC, then an SC leader, it was kind of unintentional. I mean, the SC job was intentional. I knew right. I didn't want to continue to carry a quota because I was going to be old before my time. Right. And, I, and I, really, <laughs> I really liked the technical side of the. You know, you go to a meeting and the customer starts asking me the questions. They never asked the salesperson. I like that. I like that they, they trusted yeah. that I was going to tell them what the technology could do and why it worked. And they trusted my technical skills. Um, And that was just something that made me feel better about what I did every day. Uh, But other than that, the movement was not really intentional. Intentionally came to Salesforce, but I kind of would have done whatever job they had for me to do. I just wanted to be here. Um, And it happened to be a product marketing role and it happened to work out really well, but uh, I would go back and tell myself to be intentional.
0: Be more intentional about it. But also go for it and not sweat the title or.
1: Exactly right.
0: Yeah. That's. That's really cool. You know, it, I, I know I've done some research and I know at some point you went and you, you spent some time studying history. Yeah. Is that just always been a passion of yours or? It
1: has. Yeah. It's been uh, my favorite thing since I had a great teacher back in junior high who told, talked about, taught us history, but told it the stories, you know, the, the stories sure. of history. And uh, it wasn't, you know, most of us probably remember history courses that were like, what date did this happen? What battle was this? Where oh, was boy. it? And like, who were the two belligerents in that conflict? It's like, that's not, that's not history. That's right, just
0: 12 reasons for the fall of Rome. Or yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. And what I loved about this teacher was he, he talked about the story. How did it happen? Why did it happen? What led up to that moment in time and how applicable that is to this day? Um, I find history fast. It's my favorite subject. And I, to answer your question, I, uh, I went to school for finance at Auburn back when I got out of high school hmm. and then I got married and I, I got, I didn't finish. I got to about my third year and then we got married. I had to get a real job. Right. Um, Yeah. So I went off and got a real job and then I got into the software thing I told you about earlier. Right. Um, and I never finished my degree, uh, but it didn't slow me down. So I wasn't worried about it. Then I got on a, you know, spent my 10, 15 years of my life on an airplane, going everywhere as you do in these, these roles. Um, and it made school hard. So, but then I got to a point where I realized, you know, I don't want to do this forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad actually gr- retired, and I went to his retirement, and that was the moment where I was like, I don't want to be. My dad's an extraordinary human being, but I didn't want to spend my as long as he spent doing what he did, uh, and not be what able to do did? something different. He was a a lawyer in the Air Force for like oh, thirty three wow. years. Yeah, he was. Oh, it was wow. awesome. I mean, he loved it. But I I just thought to myself, I want to spend my older t- age doing exactly what I want to do. My dad did do what he wanted to do, but I wanted right. to do what I want to do. And as much as I love this, I'm still kind of having to deliver on a different kind of expectation. And it's challenging to stay in touch with all this technology and all the trends. And, um, someday when I'm much older than I am now, I want to be able to do something else and right. with something else I want to teach history. Wow. I just love the idea of teaching history at the college level. It's just a, a, a long time kind of dream of mine. And so that's a way long winded answer to your question. I went and got my history degree online with Arizona state university, which is actually shout out to Arizona state university. Their program online is extraordinary. Really? Yeah. And the, the degree is just as hard to get as if you showed up every day in campus in, in uh, Scottsdale.
0: Um, did they tell stories or did you have to sort of brave through some classes tons, with
1: tons and tons of reading, you know, reading yeah. and writing a lot of writing, uh, which is for, for most history majors. That's the, that's life, right? You read right. a lot you write a lot. Um, right. But that, yeah, I graduated with a history degree with a 3.3 GPA from from Arizona State as not because I needed that in my job, but because I want to do that down the road. And so actually at some point soon, I hope I'm going to get my master's in history and then. Oh, wow. Because you know, you know, I want to teach at college. I don't want to teach, you know. You know
0: high school? High school? Yeah, high school. Right.
1: <laughs> I just like the idea of the college land. You know, it, I feel like college makes people remember what being young is like. Yeah. Uh, and I, uh, I would, I think also people that show up at history classes in college level are there because they want to be. And I, I'd love right. to see people that care about it. Like I care about it.
0: Right. There's the survey course, but then even you have a chance to woo people over to the major. Yeah, exactly. Those higher level courses, people they're in and they're kind yeah. of like-minded, just like you. They want it to.
1: That's right. They care world about world. it for a different reason than just, you know, they got to show up and put the check in the box, you know.
0: Right. For sure. You know, the, have you heard of, uh, I don't know if you use audible or, uh, you know, the, the audio books.
1: Oh yeah. Um,
0: there's the great courses. Have you heard of those? No. Yeah. It's a, it's just a section on audible and there's these things called the great courses and there's a whole history section. Wow. And I recently just completed one that I have to recommend to you. It's called, uh, it's on Egypt, the history of Egypt. And because it has because Egypt was so isolated and dry, all the records remain. And so there's like thousands, you know, there's that much more history on that particular group than any other group around. And so what the, what the great course does, though, it, it, this particular one is 24 hours long. It's 24 uh, college lectures by, I don't remember his name, but he, he's amazing. He is not only is he one of the best college professors out there on this topic, but he's also... You know, an Egyptologist, he's out there doing gigs and that kind of thing. And through these 24 hours, he literally shares his passion and he explains and he tells the stories and he tells you why he makes you learn hieroglyphs wow. <laughs> and really make your cool. own name out with it. So, yeah, like I, I totally I understand what you're saying, like hearing the stories of the old and then at one point he even talks about, um, you know, what about the Bible and how does that all weave in there and does it? And what was fascinating is it, it, the Egyptians never wrote bad history. So if anything bad ever went wrong or, or happened, they never wrote about it. They only wrote if it was positive. Oh uh, yeah. So, but there's certain areas where they're trying to piece things. But it was just fascinating yeah, uh, to that's hear cool. that.
1: Yeah, I'm going to check that out. I was just You were talking and I was listening to you and I was looking on my phone at the great courses. That's cool.
0: Yeah, I, and that was just that one. So, I mean, there's ones on all their, the topics yeah, too. Yeah, that's but, really
1: great. Thanks. Thanks the, for that.
0: Sure, and what, one credit, right? Like, yeah. come on, Amazon. How, yeah, yeah. How are you paying for this? This is amazing. Yeah. Um. So this is this is really cool. And so so, you're you're kind of lining up like what what are some of these passions you could do, you know, outside and later on when you kind of get the tweed jacket and maybe the 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 pipe and you're kind of teaching history or something like that.
1: Yeah, that's that's my long term plan. You know, I, I want to be able to spend my older years uh, walking onto a campus and teach in the history to people that care about it. So um, it's it's not gonna be tomorrow, but it's gonna be someday.
0: Right, right. No, I think we all have to have that vision for what what could be and where do we want to go and what do we want to yeah. be, you know, keep yeah. doing that. Even once you get to a cool place, you know, here you're you're, you're marketing at like Salesforce, what the heck? And, yeah. and you're still continuing to challenge yourself and think about where you want to go and grow to.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, it's a great point. And I you know I, again if I went back and gave my young self advice it would be, I don't, I wouldn't have to, to, because to be honest, I've always thought this way around destination orientation, not, not, not levels and titles, but like, what do you, what do you want to be doing every day when you wake up when you're 60 or 50 or 40 or for younger people when you're 40 or 30 or whatever. And if you don't have some sense of where you want to be over those spans, then you'll, you'll kind of wander. Right. Right.
0: Um,
1: And it's not just professional. It's personally too. Like, you know, do you want to be 85 years old at your high school kids' graduation? Because if you do, then don't worry about having kids until you're whatever, 60. Right. Um, if that's possible, I don't even, I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't even imagine being uh, with kids at 60. But the point is like, uh, and if you don't, then think about when and where and how you get there. And if you don't care for having kids, then congratulations. Like think about what you're going to do instead of that. Yeah. But I, I think all, all of us can it reduces anxiety when you have kind of a longer term view about where you want to be, uh, whether that's professionally or personally. I just, help, it helps me reduce kind of anxiety.
0: Yeah, that future minded and, and something about putting it out there like, I, it's kind of weird and random, but I'd love to climb Mount Kilimanjaro next year. Yeah. Like, you put it out there and then things start to fall in place and you meet yep. someone from Tanzania and things yeah. start happening. That's you know, right. Yeah. Starts, so it just, and writing it down could be helpful too. I think. Oh,
1: yeah. Yep, for putting sure. Put pen
0: to paper. It kind of makes it more real. It's not just like your goofy thought for the moment. You actually you know, wrote that thing down and
1: yep. thought about it. Yeah, and, took, and maybe took steps to, to get there because you know yeah. a lot of these things don't, don't happen just because you wake up one day and say, I'm going to do this. Some of <laughs> True. require steps. Like if you want to teach history at the college level, you have to have at least a master's, in most cases a PhD. So how do you, how do you, t- you know, I, I yeah. need to figure that stuff out now because if I get to the age where I'm ready and I haven't done that, then I'm not prepared to go do what I really want to do. So you got to back into the, you know, how do you get there? But it's oftentimes right. there's other steps between here and there. Right. Right. Makes yeah. sense.
0: Well, this has been awesome. Yeah, I, it's I, awesome. Time has just flown by and where are some places that people can connect with you?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I'm, it's funny. My, my Twitter handle is my last name reversed. So it's <laughs> Renix. N. uh, I, I, it was like, by the time I joined Twitter, I forget what year it was, 2007, maybe. Um, uh, my first name was taken, so I couldn't get my own, you know, URL. Uh, I, I wanted Nate, but that was gone. So <laughs> yeah, I think um, we all
0: wanted like that, that yeah. first name. <laughs>
1: yeah. So on Twitter, I'm just my last name reversed. So with my first initial. So it's R-E-N-N-I-K-S-N, R-E-N-X-N. um Cool. And then on LinkedIn, it's just LinkedIn.com, Nate Skinner, all, okay. all one word.
0: Got it. And then throw that podcast link out there one more time for. Yeah, it's marketingtrends.com.
1: Marketing marketingtrends.com, okay. all one word.
0: Awesome. I'm sure you got some good guests in the lineup there. Oh yeah, lots Check of exciting
1: ones coming, and some great ones that are there. I mean, you, I forget the number of episodes we have now. I think it's oh, they just posted our hundredth episode with the CEO of Soul Tour. Wow. So, yeah, there's a uh, hundred episodes of marketing leaders rapping about everything from account-based marketing to. Trends in AI. To hit this one from from uh, Tara Nicole Nelson at, at Soul Tour is transformational consumer reaching the transformational consumer. Um, you know, there's just there's just nothing short of endless insights that can come from listening to that podcast.
0: I love it. I love it. And wow, hundred. How long has this been? Going
1: we started. On? That's a great question. It's funny that you just said that because we started the podcast with the with the Ian and the mission team. Uh, Black Friday last year. So it's less than wow. a year to a hundred.
0: Wow! Yeah. So yeah. like, two a week kind of thing is happening right now, or?
1: I mean, I, I don't think we have a schedule like that. Okay. I think we 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 uh, we have a roster of kind of running list of folks, and yep. you know, we should definitely get you in there sometime. Um, yeah, sure. And if you have folks that you think would be great for it as a marketing leaders, you know, send them my way, and I'll, okay. and I'll see if we can't get them into the queue because the the team is really loves to hear from all walks of life regarding marketing, whether it's a big company marketing leader or a small company marketing leader, B2C, B2B, whatever it is. If you're a marketing leader, they're they're, they're listening. So um, send them my way or, or or, or uh, shoot me a note and I'll, we'll get them in the, the queue.
0: Awesome. Yeah, we'll do. Definitely. I, I definitely recommend uh, giving that a listen. And now that there's been a hundred, it's like, now it's really in the groove, right? Yeah. yeah, oh,
1: yeah. It's, it's, it's an extraordinary um audience. I think last time I checked on kind of downloads and subscribers, we had well over a hundred thousand downloads and uh, it's just been extraordinary. The, the uh, uptake of it from the audience, which says something about all of us in marketing, right? We're, we're all kind of learners and we want to learn more. And um, the podcast, is a great way to do that.
0: Absolutely. And, and by the way, speaking of learning, I've been doing a lot of learning from you here today and thank you so much for coming on here and just, just chatting and sharing and, and, and teaching us all.
1: Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Casey. I learned a lot too. So I'm looking forward to that great courses and uh, this was awesome. Really good time. Thank you for having me.
0: For sure. For sure. And for everyone out there listening, if you learn something, be a thought leader and share this. I know you learned something cause I literally have like two pages of notes over here. So, uh, share this with at least one person just to get that you be their thought leader and just get this in their hands. Um, and again, Hey, this has been awesome. Thanks for coming on here.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, Casey. Take care.
0: Awesome. And for everyone else out there, it's been the hardcore marketing show. We will catch you all next time.